I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. Pastor Xavier Reese says, woe to false prophets. The false prophets and the priests had become one in their evil wickedness, meaning irreverent. They had lost the fear of God. They were doing their thing. They weren't trying to hide it. The blind were leading the blind, falling into the ditches, Jesus said. So they brought pain into the house of God. God didn't have to go around searching for it. It's just right in the open. Now, we know it's in the world, but I'm talking about people in the church sometimes, too. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Most of us are familiar with this simple truth of Ephesians 6.12. But coming up, we'll see how this is a caution that goes out to those within the church as much as for the world outside. Pastor Xavier turns to the example of the false prophets of Jeremiah's day to warn believers that discretion is to be carefully exercised in light of would-be deception occurring within the body of Christ today. Let's listen. We don't have to look far in our world and our day to see how many people are deceived Through men's philosophies, through their teachings, through their self-promoted efforts, whatever it may be on every level. As we come to chapter 23, the entire chapter must be understood in light of the previous chapter. As Yahweh has pronounced the judgment on the ruling kings for being evil and irresponsible shepherds over the people of God. That included... Uh, Jehoiahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. Uh, Josiah was the only good king who had reforms, who had a heart for God. Uh, But the people had a superficial love for God, and the other kings just went along with it, and and they didn't do a service to the people they were supposed to. The remainder of the chapter, from verse 9 to 40 then deals with the false prophets versus the true prophet of God, which in this case, of course, would be Jeremiah. And so what we want to do is take a section dealing with the false prophets, which give to us three identifying marks of false prophets from verse 9 to 22. Let me read um, the section for us. My heart within me is broken because the prophets, all my bones shake I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine has overcome because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers, for because of a curse the land mourns. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up. The course of life is evil and their might is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yes, in my house I have found their wickedness, says the Lord. Therefore, their way shall be to them like slippery ways. In the darkness they shall be driven on and fall in them, for I will bring disaster on them the year of their punishment, says the Lord. And I have seen the folly of the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied by Baal, and they caused my people Israel to err. Also I have seen the horrible thing of the prophets of Jerusalem. They committed adultery and walked in lies. They also strengthened the hands of the evildoer, so that no one turned back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom unto me. And their inhabitants like Gomorrah. 
Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood, and make them drink the water of gall. For the prophets of Jerusalem, profaneness has gone out into all the land. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from, what, from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, The Lord has said, You shall have peace. And the, everyone who walks according to their dictates of his own heart, they say, No evil shall come upon you. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his words? Who has marked the word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a violent whirlwind. I will fall violently on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. These prophets constantly opposed Jeremiah. We've been following through up to this point. Now he focuses on them here. It kind of comes to uh, a head. And here we are giving these three identifying marks. In verse 9 to 12, you have the first, the condemnation of the false prophet. So he's been dealing with them, so he starts with the judgment at this point, their condemnation. Secondly, in verse 13 through 15, you have the commonality of the false prophets. And last, he finishes with the characteristics of false prophets. So that you and I may understand that whoever it may be, at whatever time it may be, that these things apply to all who are false prophets. And we'll get into a little bit how to discern a false prophet. Let's begin here with the condemnation of the false prophet. Notice first in verse 9, the false prophet, they pain the prophet of God. The prophet Jeremiah declared that his heart within him was broken because of these false prophets. And the word broken there means to be crushed, to be shattered, or to be torn. Um, you all have experienced it one way or the other at one time or another, be it with a, a relationship with your child or whatever it may be, where you're trying to accomplish something and somebody's opposing you and the frustration and, and you see the destruction of the one you're trying to rescue or help and, and you, you feel so frustrated, it tears you up. This is what he's talking about. So Jeremiah was deeply disturbed over the false words. They spoke as well as their evil deeds. His heart was broken and pain due to the false prophet's opposition to God. And in their opposition of Jeremiah, it was an opposition to God. And that's something we have to understand always. Peter reminds us of that, that, you know, if we suffer for doing good, then we shouldn't be too blown away by it. We just have to make sure if people speak evil of us, we have to make sure that it's false. And when they're opposing us, they're opposing God. Now, notice the prophet Jeremiah declared that all his bones also shook. And so here he's speaking about fluttering, hovering over is the literal word. We find it in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 where the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth and began to create. Now he uses these, these descriptive phrases to declare what is going on with him physically. 
It's a spiritual warfare, but physically he's being affected by it. He is involved in the message. He is involved with the people. He is present there. So literally, he is being shaken by the evil that he's witnessing and the opposition that's going on. It's affecting him completely. You cannot just separate yourself from a matter emotionally. Anybody can analyze things intellectually, but when you're involved emotionally, it's a whole different matter. Now it involves you all together. You remember that Daniel himself was revealed by God, the kingdoms of the world to come after Babylon, the Medo-Persian, Greece, and so on and so forth, in chapter 8 of Daniel, verse 27. And it says that after a while, he was sick or ill for many days. And sometimes the things that God allows us to go through spiritually, they overwhelm us. Because we see the, the, the real tension that goes on between the child of God and the person who doesn't know God. When we're in the world, we didn't have that tension. But once we come to Christ, we see the tension more and more. Notice that the prophet Jeremiah in verse 9 still declared that he was like a drunken man. And like a man whom wine had overcome him because of the Lord and his holy words. So now the flip side of that. He's upset about the evil. He's upset about the opposition. But the other part is that his condition here implies his entire giving of himself over to God and his word and the holiness of both. And so between these two, you have tension. Paul the Apostle in Ephesians 6 says that we're in a warfare. When we were in the world, we just went along with things. But now you're saved. And I don't know if you've ever experienced, but I'm sure you have. I remember when I first got saved. I mean, I was out there in the world and talked the way everybody else and thought the way everybody else. And then we got saved and we just kind of removed from the world. And we were just in Bible study and doing this, doing that. And then all of a sudden, once in a while, you get put in a situation back in the world. And, and the way people talk and what they say and their innuendos and you, and it, you kind of it gets you. And it's almost the tension because now it's magnified before you were used to it. It didn't even bother you. It's like if you're at work and, you know, people talk the way they do or say whatever they say. And, you know, no big deal. But all of a sudden now it hurts your ears to the extent. You know what I mean? It, it, you catch it. Because it grieves the Spirit of God in you. And this is the struggle that goes on. So here his commitment to the holiness and the Word of God is almost like the same metaphor that Paul uses in Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine, which is an excess. But be filled with the Spirit of God. So here he's saying that he's totally given to the Spirit of God. Not that he's out of control, but he's totally given to the Spirit of God, the holiness of God, and the message of God. And because that is the case, then the offenses become more magnified. Because they're in complete opposition to what you're committed to. Jeremiah's condition was a state of tension. Pain by the words and the deeds of these false prophets in contrast to the holiness of Yahweh. And that's what happens to us as we move through this life. You cannot get away from it. A total of 23 times the word prophet, prophets, and verbal forms appear, such as prophesying, speak, and vision, from verse 9 to 40. 23 times. He's dealing with these false prophets. And he's going to contrast it to the true prophet. Notice secondly in verse 10. The false prophets pain not only Jeremiah, but they pain the land of God. The land was full of adulterers. The covenant of marriage had become polluted, kind of like today in our day. 
In fact, earlier, remember Jeremiah 5.8, um, Jeremiah said they are like well-fed, lusty stallions. Everyone nighs after his neighbor's wife. In fact, Jeremiah was told by God not to marry, not to take a wife, and not to have sons or daughters in chapter 16, verse 2, because the people were so evil and the time was so horrified in terms of judgment that he says, remain single. The standard of the day was immorality. And so really, this book of Jeremiah fits so perfectly in our day. And certainly, we want to give the benefit of doubt to those who have learned from their mistakes and they want to move on. That's great. But for the most part, we don't learn from our mistakes. We just repeat them on different levels. That's all. Because the whole society encourages it. It pushes to that. Stop and think about it. The ones that are supposed to be the professionals, the ones that we're supposed to trust, are the ones that enable us to sin. Look at the philosophy of the uh, educational system. They tell the kids to have sex with condoms, to have safe sex, have, be responsible, instead of telling them not to have sex. And the professionals, also the doctor says, yeah, it's okay. Because the mentality is, you know, they're going to do it anyway. Well, that's a stupid reason to tell them to do it. I mean, even adults today, parents, they, they know their kids are having sex on Friday night up in their own room with their girlfriend or boyfriend. And they say, well, I'd rather they do it in my house rather than somewhere else. And they're like, what stupid that is. When adults are supposed to instruct and train and put the boundaries, they're the ones who are encouraging the youth to do evil. This is our day. Much like Jeremiah's day. Notice the land mourned because of swearing. The people were dishonest in their dealings with, with uh, false oaths. The natural consequence would be that of violence and instability. Look to our society today. The amount of violence, it results in instability. Why? Because everybody's for us false, so you can't trust anybody. There was a day when your word was your bond. Not today. We even have prenuptial agreements to make sure you don't get ripped off with your things before you marry. The land in its pleasant places, says, of the wilderness were dried up. This is due to the curses of the covenant of Deuteronomy 28, 29, 27, Leviticus 26. Where God says, if you do this, I'll bless you with rain, early latter rains. If you don't do this, if you disobey, I'll hold back the rains. And so the land was suffering because of their breaking of the covenant. They worship Baal, the God of rain. God says, oh, you want to trust him? Okay, well, let me pull back the rain. Look at verse 10 still. The land was controlled by the false prophets, and the course of their life was evil. And their power and authority was abused and misused. In their course of evil, they influence the people for evil, as I said. And it's a sad day. The whole philosophy today is, parents, learn from your children. Not the reverse. Be open. Be flexible. And we need to keep that in, in, in mind. But in terms of the boundaries of God. In terms that I'm the one with wisdom. I'm the one that's overseen. I'm the one that begot the child. That I lead him in the right way, not that I'm open to his pollutantness or anything else. The philosophy's turned around today. In their unjust authority, they provoked the people. In their word, action, and deed, they were headed for national ruin. And they were leading the nation into national ruin. What an example for the nation. What a horrible leading by these false prophets. But you stop and think of our own nation. You know, we had a, a president for two terms, eight years, that set the tone for morality. And the thing is, when you have bad leaders, you have worse people. 
because they follow the tone. What a difference there is today. Not that any man is perfect, not that any man is faultless, but what they say and how they conduct themselves affects the people one way or another. If you don't believe that, then why do you try to do the best for your children? Why do you live out the word of God? Because you want them to have the example. You want them to know that it's possible to live the way God tells us to. That's why. Look at verse 11. Thirdly, here the false prophets profane the temple of God too. So they brought pain into the house of God. The false prophets and the priests had become one in their evil wickedness. They were both profane, meaning irreverent. They had lost the fear of God. They were doing their thing, but they weren't trying to hide it. And so the prophet could uh, not direct the people. The blind were leading the blind, falling into the ditches, Jesus said. The priests could not, inter- could not intercede for the people because they were in sin, so God wouldn't hear them. So the people were left as sheep without a shepherd. And that's the whole cry of chapter 23. Holding the kings, the leaders, the priests, the prophets responsible. The false prophet and the priest carried on their sinful lifestyle. Where? In the house of God, in the temple of God. God didn't have to go around searching for it. It's just right in the open. The brashness of today's lifestyle. Now we know it's in the world, but I'm talking about people in the church sometimes too. Some people feel great coming to church on Sunday. But then they live like the devil during the week. Kind of like Herod. Herod loved to hear John. He felt good when he heard John. But then he lived the way he wanted to. And that's self-deception. Remember that because the rat's in the cookie jar doesn't make him a cookie. Um, you can go to church all you want. You can carry a Bible. You can be under, sitting under the best teacher in the world. It doesn't affect your eternity if you're not living it out. In fact, it holds you more responsible and holds you under greater judgment. So Yahweh had found their wickedness. First of all, he's all-knowing, but the implication is he wasn't really looking. It's just there, not trying to be hidden. Remember earlier Jeremiah in chapter 7 verse 11 when he was sent to the temple, right to the door of the temple to proclaim the message. He told them that they had made the house of God what? A den of thieves. Jesus quoted that also in the New Testament when he cleansed the temple. The leaders as well as the people thought they were safe in the temple. It was their sanctuary. That's why I really don't like the word sanctuary. It has the idea that we're going to go hide there. There's no hiding here. It's not going to protect you. (laughs) It's just a place of feeding It was a food outlet. That's all it is. Spiritual cafeteria. Look at verse 12. Fourthly, the false prophet perverted life would be punished. The bottom line, their way would be their own downfall. This is the conclusion of the matter by the word, therefore. Everything that precedes it, this is the sum total of it. Their own way of evil would be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness, sudden and unexpectedly. People think they're cool. They think they've got it together. You remember, we were out there. You think you're swift. You think you're cool. You got it together. And all of a sudden, it comes down before you even know it. It gets you. And those are just normal circumstances, you know, because of consequences. But when God intervenes, I mean, you talk about, remember those slip and slides? <laughs> you have to wet them and slide down the, well, when God's involved in it, you're going to slide a long ways. They would be driven on 
and fall therein. Their course was set. Can't turn them. We've seen examples of this through our life as we see people who, who just don't learn, who they keep going. They get worse and worse and worse. And, and you're hoping for the best, but you say, you know, you get to a point point, say, this guy's not going to change. And they don't. And then God blows our mind sometimes because the one we think is less open to be saved is the one that gets saved. So there's two sides to it. And so their disaster would be brought on by Yahweh. Not coincidence. It's not just that it happened. God's involved in the judgment here. He says, for I will bring evil upon them. Verse 12. Yahweh would do so in the year of their visitation. In other words, the punishment through Babylon. Yahweh would guarantee this by the authority of his own words. Listen, he says, says the Lord. And there were three sieges, 606, 596, and 586. God's authority said it would happen, and that's exactly what happened. We've had a lot of horrible examples of false prophets in our own lifetime, our own generation. I think of uh, Guyana and Jim Jones. And how he took all those people down there in the jungle and built this community, this cult. And they took their lives with Sinai and some voluntarily and others were forced. And we all saw the pictures of adults laying with their children and everybody face down. Horrible. In fact, one of the girls' mother and sisters were down there. She used to come to church when we were in Alhambra when it happened. And you say, how did it happen? One step at a time. Jim Jones didn't start out blaspheming God. He taught the word of God. And slowly but surely he became a false prophet. And people didn't check him through the word. People just, just trusted his word. People just allowed him to control them. We don't follow any man. We follow Jesus Christ. And if we follow a, a man in terms of a pastor or a church, it's because we agree with the word of God that's being taught. So we got to be a Bereans, Acts 17, 11, to check out those things are so. Lest there be more people like Jim Jones. Today there are many who take on the title of prophets teaching biblical heresy in the church. Many of them teaching into the prosperity doctrine. That Christians are to be healthy and wealthy. This is part of your divine right. Well... Paul the Apostle in 1 Timothy 6.5 tells us that these teachings are useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, and from such withdraw yourself. Whenever a pastor of church tells you that one of the evidence of being a Christian is that you are wealthy, get away from them. Too bad Jesus didn't know about that. He had to borrow a coin to expound the truth about paying taxes. The tomb that was buried was borrowed. But after all, he only needed it for the weekend, so no big deal. Um, and the only ones getting rich are, are the ones teaching the doctrine. Get away from them, Paul says. Church starts pumping you for money, go find another church. Now give to God what belongs to God. Do it lovingly, do it as God blesses you. And the offering should be taken up once a week for your convenience, without any pressure, without any hoopla, without any sad stories or anything else let God take care of his church
Well, I'm afraid we're going to have to pause at this point in our study due to a lack of time today, as Pastor Xavier has been providing some shocking examples of deception that has sadly taken hold within the church. And let me quickly remind you, if you've missed any part of this message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But there's much more to this study to come right here next time as well. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Woe to False Prophets. It's available on CD for just $4. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, Woe to False Prophets, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese examines the standard of living, ensuring quality of life. Be back for more Simple Truths right here. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 